God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this opportunity that we're here together again to worship you. We pray today, Lord, that you would open our hearts and our minds again so that we could receive your message and focus on your word. In Jesus' name, amen.
My name is Joe Cade. I'm the pastor here. We're so grateful that you're here and joining with us. We'd like to frame our announcements in our five practices, the first of which is radical hospitality. Um, we try to have uh, snacks for you, coffee for you, have restrooms, uh, and we also want you to understand what we're trying to do, what we're trying to achieve. And it's the end of the year. It's just like any school meeting you're in, just like any work meeting you're in, we're trying to tie a bunch of double knots on a bunch of different things. Uh, so if you can pay attention uh, during our announcements, because we have important things to share with you. First of all, we have prayer concerns. Uh, if you would like to share a prayer concern with our Tuesday prayer group that gathers every Tuesday morning, you can raise your hand right now and an usher will bring you a note card and a pencil and you can write on that card and put it in the um, offering plate or give it back to the usher. If you see um, uh, one of our ushers is Leslie Pace. If y'all look, Leslie is right there in um, uh, Right straight from me. Leslie starts as our new uh, office manager tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. So merciful, pray for her. Pray for her. Because uh, we got a bunch of stuff. Uh, we're grateful that you're joining us, Leslie. Um, we have our final uh, meal, uh, Wednesday meal, and Aaron's going to tell us about it. Good morning, I'm Aaron. Aaron and Family Ministries. There we go. 
Um, I just wanted to let you know that this is our last supper at 6 for the spring. Um, those are the first Wednesday of every month at 6 o'clock in this room if you're visiting us today. and We'd love to have you join us. But today is the last day to register. You'll find the menu, the prices, and the details all in the bulletin. But um, do make sure that you sign the attendance roster as it comes around today indicating you'd like to join us if you do want to and have not done that already. We sure would love to have you. That will be followed by a Vacation Bible School volunteer training and um, child care is provided. Uh, so far no one has signed up for that child care for either elementary age or younger kids so do let me know so I don't have volunteers come out if that is not a needed service but we're glad to provide it if you just um, give me an email or tell me in passing. Thank you. Let's talk about passionate worship. Uh, Miss Ann Dobson passed this week and her celebration of life service will be tomorrow at 2 p.m. in the sanctuary. We'll have a visitation with the family at 12 p.m. I put in the email 12.30 and that's my fault. It's at 12 p.m. in the sanctuary until 1.40 uh, um, so that the family has time to rest and, and get back together um, before the service at 2 p.m. So Miss Ann's service will be tomorrow at 2 p.m. in our sanctuary. And that will be our final worship service in the sanctuary for some time. That's because we are ripping um, the plaster off the walls of the sanctuary because it's, um, it's out of date, it's busted, and we're replacing it and then painting over it. So the 11 o'clock worship service will worship in here for the next five to six weeks. So help me remember, next week we don't take up the chairs. We don't put anything back because the 11 o'clock service is going to do that. Y'all just walk right out of the service and on to your next thing. Um, so make sure uh, you tell your peers. We put it out everywhere. I'll say it again, on, I'll say it again in the 11 o'clock service that 11 o'clock worship is happening for the next six weeks. It's happening here in the gym, but for one Sunday. And y'all need to be aware of this too, and that's Memorial Day. On Memorial Day, we'll have one 10 a.m. service here in the gym. Uh, otherwise, it'll be a normal schedule. Intentional faith development. Um, we try our best to offer fun opportunities for children, youth, and adults. Children or youth are meeting tonight as scheduled. Uh, the adult class uh, will not meet tonight uh, due to um, different parts of their schedule. They'll resume again next week on the 7th. Risk-taking mission and service. This is opportunities that we have um, to be present with our community. And uh, Mike Henson's going to talk to you as a representative of the uh, uh, our church to annual conference. Good morning. Hope you're all well. My name is Mike Henson. Don Beach and I serve you and serve um, the Memorial United Methodist Church as lay delegates to the South Carolina annual conference each year. Don and I and uh, Ellen and Marion have uh, been able to participate in the, the annual conference for the past several years. And I kind of wanted to do uh, to provide you a little bit of an overview of the conference and then some exciting news that related to this year. Um, the annual conference is when uh, Methodist clergy and laity from around the state gather together. Um, we discuss a lot of events that occur within the Methodist organizations in South Carolina. We talk about the activities uh, that are related to conference homes such as Epworth's Children Home, colleges and universities such as Wofford and Claflin, and then the Wesley Foundation that is present at a lot of our uh, colleges and universities in the state. We talk about budgets, we talk about congregational developments, we talk about a lot of different things. Sounds like a lot of fun, right? 
We gather together for three to four days, and uh, it's important for uh, each church, each organization to be represented, and then to be able to listen and participate in a variety of activities such as voting, or listening to, considering, and voting for or against resolutions and petitions. This year, the good news is the South Carolina Annual Conference will begin, will take place in Greenville, South Carolina. For the past several years, we have been meeting in Florence, and by having the annual conference in Greenville, it gives all of us an opportunity to participate in the annual conference. It is open to all Methodists. It, the conference will begin on Sunday, the 4th of June, and continue until Wednesday, the 7th of June. The title for our conference this year is A More Excellent Way We Walk by Faith and Not by Sight. So we'll gather together in the TD Convention Center and um, I guess you wonder why I would like for you to attend. It's really an unbelievable worship service for three and a half days. Um, I, I'm grateful that I'm able to serve you. But I offer an invitation for you to come and see all of the great activities that occur in the state of South Carolina and the various organizations of our, of our Methodist programs. The Bishop, Bishop Jonathan Holston will open our service on Sunday night at 7.30, Sunday, June the 4th. He's very dynamic. That's almost an understatement. He is very dynamic. He uh, is encouraging, very spiritual, moving, literally moving all of us as we worship, uh, as we begin the worship to, to, um, to start off the annual conference. On Monday night, the commissioning and ordination service begins at 7.30. This is almost the mirror image of the opening worship service. It's very quiet. It's peaceful. It's sacred. We see the men, Bishop uh, Holson um, charge the men and women who will uh, begin to serve the various Methodist churches, foundations, and other activities with their responsibilities. Families and supporters quietly stand as each ordinand is, um, is presented with that uh, opportunity to, to begin their ministry. It's amazing and a very humbling service. I urge you to attend those services if you, have, if you don't have an opportunity to attend the day services. Those two services have made a great difference in my life. For years, I, I sort of saw the annual conference as something that occurred somewhere else. Participating in the annual conference has really made me understand the beliefs that we have, the organizations we have. I've seen the wonderful people who participate in this conference. And I invite you to attend with us. If you can uh, do so, we'll be at the TD Convention Center. And I look forward to seeing you there. Thank you. Thank you, Mike. We also believe in extravagant generosity, and I feel confident this will be the most unique extravagant generosity announcement that's ever been made. Good morning, everybody. Um, I'm Gretchen Hummerkhaus, and I am a part of the Partners in Faith um, Sunday School class. So we wanted to have a giving opportunity this spring, and um, in finding something that was fun, different. We talked to Greer Community Ministries because they are here in Greer. We wanted to give back to our Greer community. And they said they are desperate for um, 
the basic needs of the people here. So what do you think of when you think of basic needs? Well, you think of food, you think of water, you think of clothing. What kind of clothing? They are desperate for underwear. <laughs> so I know it's kind of crazy talking about that in church. So in keeping with our church's um, belief in radical hospitality, um, we are going to give you all the opportunity to give ra in a radical way. So we are calling it Undie Sunday. So we're going to do May 14th and May 21st. We're going to have bins for britches outside of these doors. And everybody is going to have the opportunity to give underwear. So when you think of that, what, do you, what, what does that mean? Well, the easiest thing that we've come up with with Greer Ministries is basically, okay, so I'll give my family as an example. So I have a family of four. There's me, there's Kevin, there's Blake, and there's Evan. So I will give a package, and please do not give used underwear. We are asking for brand new only. Um, I would give a package of my size of underwear, bottom or top, or both. Um, I would get one for Blake's size, for Evan's size, and for Kevin's size. So if you think of it that way, whatever your family, however members you have in your family, just get a brand new package or assortment of such of underwear that would fit you, and that will give them a variety of sizes for other people. Um, we did a great job in the fall and winter, slash winter, giving coats to Greer Community Ministries. We gave over 500 um, articles of coats and outerwear. So now we're going to the opposite end and we're going to do the underwear. So um, if y'all have any questions, let me know. We are, we, this will be in the announcements if I can get it together for um, Tuesday and Thursday emails in the bulletin. And But May 14th and May 21st are the two Sundays that we're going to collect. So thank you so much. <laughs> I don't know, Lee Dumas, Wayne Morris, Kevin Hummerkhaus, I'm trying to come up with who came up with that idea. <laughs> y'all are crazy. Thank you. And thank y'all for listening. Uh, we're doing a significant number of things. They're important to our church family, to our community. Thank you for listening. And please pay attention to your bulletin and your email. They give us uh, a supplement and also other announcements. Let's pray together. Gracious God, we thank you for the uh, activity and vibrance of our church family. We thank you for the love and support in all the transitions that are happening in all of our lives of new birth, of new commitments, of the fear of sickness, the pain of loss, of death. We're grateful for everyone that surrounds us and we're grateful that you walk alongside us. And as we read a text this morning of people wondering how to process everything they had seen, everything they had heard, and some new revelation that you were not in the tomb, help us, Lord, to understand their concerns. Help us to understand their weaknesses. Help us to understand their questions. And Lord, help us to understand your answers for them in that day and for us today. Encourage and inspire us, Lord, as we pray the prayer your Son taught us disciples to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, 
as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. We have got a huge story today from Luke 24. This is um, among the most verses you'll ever hear from me in a sermon. And it's because you have to use all of them to tell the entire story. It's the story of the walk to Emmaus. And it's a story that, um, you know, throughout the Christian year, we use different Gospels each year. We'll use Matthew one year, Mark one year, Luke one year. And some stories you only hear once every three years. This one you hear quite frequently. And so the risk, as with many that you hear quite frequently, is that you get it. You got this story. And you tune out even when trying not to. So I want you to hear this story today in the way that I prayed is what is, the, um, what is one of the main struggles and one of the, one of the ways that they um, overcame that struggle. Luke 24, verse 13. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, What are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them named Cleopas asked him, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened here in these days? What things? He asked. Now, I don't know how many of you have had a new boss that was in the room when the conference was starting and it was kind of like a welcome to this boss and you didn't know that this was the new boss and you said maybe one too many things that you would not have said if you had known that person was the boss, right? Especially if that person uh, is unassuming, especially if that person's not projecting I'm the one in charge here but they're sort of quiet and back uh, in the back of the room. To say to Jesus, are you the only idiot who's not aware of what's happened in this town in this major, major holiday? I've emphasized that with you a bunch of times. Maybe you're tired of it in the last six weeks. But it already was a major holiday. It was Passover. People were already celebrating something amazing that God had done way back in Egypt. It was already crazy in that city if nothing else had happened. If you were to try to go to Atlanta in 1996 with the Olympics and the president was rolling through, you might get some sense of it. And he's asking them, what were you discussing as you were going along the road before he, uh, Jesus is asking them, what were you discussing? Now, this is a familiar question, and that, that's your first phrase. It's a familiar question, what were you discussing? That's because a couple chapters back, five, ten, uh, and a couple times in every gospel, Jesus tells his disciples, as everything is amazing, we're going to have to go to Jerusalem. And as he's telling them that, there's any number of reasons for them not to pay attention. It's hard to pay attention in the first place. He's telling them something difficult, which many of us turn away. He's telling them a long version of something difficult. It's too much to process. And so they're thinking, I don't know, let's talk about something else. 
one of the main things that they talk about as Jesus tells them, we're going to have to go to Jerusalem, is which one of them is the greatest. Isn't that classic? Don't we always compare ourselves? Sometimes we compare ourselves very negatively in church. I never have my family together like that family is together when they walk in the door. I never come to church like that family comes to church. I never understand the question that the Sunday school teacher is asking. In fact, if they ever ask a question, I'm just going to do this number here. Sometimes we compare ourselves too positively in relation to one another. Boy, if those people get it together, like me. If those people would just understand what Jesus was saying on the level that I understand what Jesus is saying. But time and time again, the disciples wonder out loud which one of them is the greatest. And to me, part of that is a distraction from what they're trying to do. It's the same distraction as us looking at TV far too much. It's the same distraction as looking for alcohol too much. It's the same distraction as trying to eat something rather than deal with it, smoke something rather than deal with it. Whatever it is we can do to numb the intense pain that we're feeling over the concern that's in front of us. Those boys, when he says that to them, wonder which one's the greatest. And as they do, when they get to town, Jesus looks back at them and says, hey, where were y'all talking about back on the road when I was telling y'all something really important? What do you think they said? So now he's asking that question again. He's asking that question as these two men come towards him. And so, what are you discussing? It's going to be a really important part of what we're talking about today. Verse 19. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it's the third day since all of this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. So let's look at your next phrase. Was, has, and didn't. What are you doing when you're using past tense about something that was special? It's over. We thought it was going to be cool. We did have momentum. We did have something special going here. We were in love at one point. When they're saying he was. When they're saying he has. When they say Jesus of Nazareth, you know what they're emphasizing? His humanity. And that's the thing that I know is a complicated um, concept. And of course, clergy, I spent hours and hours in seminary trying to unpack the fact of the Trinity of God, Son, and Holy Spirit. And um, you could spend hours and hours trying to unpack it or just show up one day and you'll be on the same level of understanding it as us because it's, it's beyond human comprehension. But when they say Jesus of Nazareth, they're saying, you know, there was this guy 
this human who was really special, who we thought was going to do something important, who had healed a lot of people. So his first two, I can see as negative, was and had, but didn't. Which, when lumped with those three, given that setup, you might think is bad too. But when they went to the grave, they didn't see him. So we had an expectation he was going to do this. We had an expectation he was going to do this. Well, he died, and we figure that's our expectation that it's over. Of course, that isn't, our, isn't what's going to happen either. So he's just swirling and swirling. What does this mean? Who was he? And what are we supposed to do about it? And then there's that angel thing. What are we supposed to do with that? What are those guys supposed to do with that? What were the women supposed to do with that? And how are they supposed to understand it? Well, verse 25 helps. He said to them, How foolish you are, and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter His glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, He explained to them what was said in the Scriptures concerning Himself. Now, it's always a risk to um, use movie references, especially something like Talladega Nights and a worship service. But there's a point at which um, the star is being a moron and his friend is giving him a little tough love and the other guy says, well, I don't know, maybe we ought to go easy on him. He says, no, no, he needs to hear it. He needs to understand. And the one who wanted to comfort him goes, all right, fine, it's that way. Wake up, idiot. Think about what he's saying there. How foolish you are. Don't you understand? What would you say if you were just walking along with a person who you knew very well? You're processing everything that you understand about one another and sharing your stories and your concerns. And here comes an individual that you don't recognize who comes up and says, what are y'all talking about? You tell him what you're talking about. He's the idiot because he didn't realize what was going on. You're the only one in Jerusalem who doesn't understand. And then this person says to you, sorry, how foolish you are. Would you be willing to listen to that person? How foolish you are. There's a lot of reasons why this conversation is not going to happen. But let's look at your next phrase. All that the prophets have spoken. You cannot underestimate that phrase. What was said as they were walking along. And of course, if we were walking to the other side of Taylor's, we could probably tell a long, pretty long story, right? Down 29. Let's look at the Bible. Not on the screen. The actual Bible. I'm talking about this. I'm, I'm crushing the audio today, Greg. I'm doing a great job today. We're talking about this. As they're walking along. And trying to put the pieces together. Right? Steve Jobs said at... Um, um, Commencement speech, at Stan commencement speech at Stanford. You can't connect the, got the dots going forward. You can only connect them going backwards. You look back and you go, oh, okay. That thing that I thought was the best thing that could ever be, and I was so upset that it ended. It's not the horrific thing that it ended. That thing that I thought was the worst thing that could ever happen to me, of which I will never recover, and there's no reason it should have happened to me, you look back and you go, oh, okay. 
that has a part in who I am and how I am to interpret this life. Now, I don't want to confuse you in terms of my personal beliefs of whether God puts a little obstacle in front of us and goes, let's see what you do with that. That's not really my opinion. But I do believe that this life is full of conflict. This life is full of pain. This life has death. Because we are humans and we have to interact with one another in our mortal bodies. All that the prophets have spoken. And I like to think that they were listening for two reasons. One, they'd been missing this terribly interesting person telling this story because they said that. But two, he first listened to them. You know how rare that is? If you have an expert in a subject, and you have people who have thought about that subject for a couple minutes, and those people talk at length about that subject to the expert, how much do you think the expert can tolerate? You ever go to conventions where there's an expert in the room and they're telling everyone, this is really the path that I think you ought to take based on my research. And somebody goes out in the crowd and they raise their hand and they say, um, don't you think... And then they say a thing that they think is right, making sure that the crowd understands that they are very wise on this subject. What does a speaker typically do with that person? No. No, I don't think that's right. In fact, I think it's the opposite of what you're thinking. Jesus listened to them lay out the entire story of their brokenness and their pain and their loss. And then what they did? They listened to the entire story of Him laying out how it was all connected and all connected to Him. You ever listen to a person for a good five, seven, ten minutes on a subject and then when you start to get, when you start to respond, they come right back one sentence in to what you've said? It happens. And you think, okay, I listened to you for a good while. I need you to listen to me. This is one of those rare instances in which an expert listened for an extended amount of time to people who were deeply confused. And then people who were deeply confused listened back to that expert until they had it right. Do you see that on television? Do you see it in politics? Do you see it in your schools? Do you see it at work? This is an inspirational story. And it's also one that calls us to a much higher level of listening than we typically are capable of just um, under our normal power. Verse 28. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if He were going further. But they urged Him strongly, Stay with us. For it's nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. And when he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were, our hearts, were not our hearts burning within us while we talked on the road? And he opened the scriptures to us. They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, It is true, the Lord is risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. So let's look at your next phrase. Stay with us. 
<laughs> if you ever like talk for a really long time with a person, we've hashed out more than we possibly could on this story. There's no way we could get any more out of this story. You ever invite them to then go with you where you're going? Probably not. You're thinking, that was a lot. He's continuing on. And had they not said, stay with us. It's just an interesting story with a guy who knew a little bit about the Bible. But it's a double-edged sword, stay with us, in my opinion. On the one hand, if he didn't stay with them, and they don't sit at a table, something that happened throughout the entire Gospels, and he doesn't take the bread and the cup, just as he did with communion, they don't recognize him. But the other part of that is that humans consistently grasped at Jesus and said, please stay. Please don't go. We cannot do this without you. So on the one hand, staying there with them was significant. But he was passing it to them. At this meal, he's giving it to them. And as Jesus feeds the disciples along the water of the shores of Galilee where they were initially called into their ministry, he's passing it to them because he's going to go on. And here's the last phrase. It is true. You ever wonder if all this is true? Clergy wonder if this is true. You know why? It's fatigue. Burnout. Anger. Fear. The fact that you can barely ever measure anything. You barely ever know if you did the thing that you were setting out to do. I'm certain y'all burn out. Because this is my whole life, as I've mentioned to you. You have a whole life that you also come here and give so much to this organization as well. Based on your calling to do so. And in our deep moments of sadness and burnout, we ask... Is this true? I mean, am I supposed to be doing this? They had a tangible example, and at that table, all of a sudden, they said, yes, it's true. Why? Because they saw it. That's our great struggle in 2017, that we're not in the middle of these stories. And multiple times Jesus says, the number one thing that you have to do is believe. I need you to have faith in what you have not seen. You know what the number one response to such is? Will do. Can you show us something? Because it would be easier if you did. Just show us one. Just do one thing. And then we'll believe. He said, I believe it's true. Based on that interaction with him. And this is the rebuilding of the story, the rebuilding of the disciples, the rebuilding of this movement, because the first time they weren't listening. So I would encourage you to recognize the times in which you cannot listen, the times in which you've struggled to listen, the times in which you've missed opportunities. And what we have to work on is believing where we have not seen. When we were doing the podcast um, for this scripture, recording it last week, one of my friends said that doubt is not the opposite of faith. He said there's all kinds of times throughout the Bible in which we have doubt in this calling. He says certainty is the opposite of faith. Us needing to know that there's no risk, there's no pain, there's no loss, 
and there's no death in order for us to believe is us wanting certainty. He says, let faith and doubt wrestle in your heart and in your mind. Call upon God to help you understand. Call upon your peers in your classes, in your gatherings to help you understand because it's through this talking through. It's through this listening that we can help one another help, um, believe, understand, and be the new message of this story to others. Let us pray. Lord, forgive us when we want to discuss other things. Forgive us when we use the past tense for our community, for our church, for our relationships, for ourselves. Teach us with your prophets who though they lived thousands of years ago fully understood the human condition fully understood your will and hope and the gap between the two. Help us, Lord, in our faith and in our doubt. And help us to stay with others in your holy and precious name. In your Son's name we pray. Amen. If you'll stand and join me with our modern affirmation on your screen. We believe in God the Father, infinite in wisdom, power, and love, whose mercy is over all His works, and whose will is directed to His children's good. We believe in Jesus Christ, Son of God and Son of Man, the gift of the Father's unfailing grace, the ground of our hope, and the promise of God fulfilled. We believe in the Holy Spirit as the divine presence in our lives, reminding us always of the truth of Christ, our inspiration and strength in times of joy and sorrow. We believe our faith should be apparent in our words of love and acts of service, that the kingdom of God may be a present reality here on earth. You may be seated. It's now time for our offering, and if you'd like to um, text to give, you'll see instructions on how to do that in the bulletin.
stand and sing this next one with us. You made 
showing that. When you get discouraged, when you use the past tense, when you start looking at a person's forehead when they're talking about their pain, think about this story. Engage them. Listen. Use the future tense in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Go in peace. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the power, and the presence of the Holy Spirit go with you all. Amen.